Um, I'm, uh, I'm going to speak on, I've got a three-week series um, over the next three weeks, but we've got Pastor Lyndon um, slotted in there as well. Um, and it's quite a simple idea, but I think massively important. It's an idea, most of you will go, yeah, I know this idea, this concept, but I'm going to make the point that, like me, you probably don't always walk in the knowledge, the outworking of this thing that you know. So I'm going to go to a scripture, uh, Romans 12, 12. Many of you know it very well, and I'm glad you do, because it kind of makes my point. Therefore, I urge you, Paul writes, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Uh, this is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Words I've highlighted there. Uh, uh, conform, world, and transformed. Here's the thing. I own a car. Okay? That car uh, has four decent tires on it. It's got a warrant. It's got a registration. It's got fuel in it. I learnt to drive a car when I was... <laughs> young. <laughs> young. I think I was, like... Nine or ten on my cousin's farm. They used to have in, in Cambridge up in the Waikato, they, uh, we had these massive maize uh, fields. And any farmers, you're going to be shocked at this. But my cousin, who's a year younger than me, so he must have been, oh, he must have been nine, I might have been ten. He bought four minis for $700, and he was a farm kid, so he had the money. Uh, and he bought four minis. And we all learnt to drive in this massive paddock that was like filled with maize. And we would just drive through them, and that's how we learned to drive. Yes, as you can imagine, occasionally you'd be like, see a, a thing of orange go past, and you're like, oh, that was lucky. Ah. Uh, but I did learn to drive. Um, and for the most part, I know how to drive. Maybe at some point in my life it was more sideways than going forward, but that's okay. So I know how to drive. I have a vehicle with warrant and a registration. Um, I know the rules, mostly. Occasionally I have to check with my wife, what's the good way around here? Okay. Um, but my point is, am I driving a car right now? I'm not driving a car right now. So I can have all the knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and the maybe even the mechanic knowledge that I understand how a combustion engine works, how driveline works, how drivetrain works. I can have all those things, but if I'm not in the car driving, I'm not driving a car. And I often find that we may know all the things, we may understand the scripture, Romans 12, for example, in this case. That do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Many of you know it. I know it. But I had an incident. I had a, a situation that happened to me. I'm going to be vulnerable. Is that okay? Is that all right to be vulnerable? I remember um, at some point in the past, I was vulnerable at the front about uh, something that I was, that I wasn't perfect when I was dealing with stuff. And this person decided it was a good idea to, on uh, social media, to have a go at me for being vulnerable. Can I just say that's really dumb? Because, A, I was like, I was doing it so that people could see that even the amazing no, okay. even, even the guy at the front holding the microphone is not perfect and makes mistakes. When you have a go at someone for being vulnerable and sharing a part of their testimony, the ugly parts of their testimony, you're actually shutting down any future times where you can share about it. And you're not you're not having an environment where it's comfortable to share. So, are you guys okay? You're not going to post on social media, my pastor did this. Um, 
I mean, feel free if you find me too, but anyway. I'm okay, I'm just more worried about others. So, um, I went to Aussie just after Christmas, and um, I went there uh, with my mum. Uh, she went a few days before me. But I went there um, because my nephew just turned one, uh, and I went for his first birthday. And I did that with intentionality, because I want to be a present uncle in his life. Yeah. Uh, so I thought, all right, I'm going to go, I'm going to spend the money, but I'm going to make the effort. And um, how many people know, you've got young kids, it's actually not just your effort. I was highly aware that my wife, uh, my life, uh, um, and I'm making up for it now, right? Um, was at home with our three kids, okay, for six days. So very aware of that. And we left at three in the morning to go to the airport. And I could tell even then that I was a bit grumpy. Okay, yes, your pastor gets grumpy. I'm sorry. <laughs> he seems grumpy. <laughs> um, and so I got on the plane and I was like, man, this is expensive. I'm away from my family. Uh, but anyway, I get there. And um, it's fine, really good to see my nephew, it was awesome because within like four minutes he leaned over to give me a big hug and they're like, he never does that for anyone, especially men. I was like, ha ha, And play fought with him for the whole six days, took them upside down, threw them around um, and his parents were not overly excited about that. And they're like, I don't think he likes it. I'm like, yeah, that's, yeah, because at the other side of the room he looks at me and he does this. Gets <laughs> down and it crawls over to me and goes like this. Which means more, please. And then he's like, throwing, so it's a lot of fun. But the situation with my um, sister and her partner, it just, and even my mum, I just noticed even within the first 20 minutes of being on, you know, on, in the country, and I'm not blaming Australia, don't worry. Okay. There's some Australians in the room. Um, but I was in Brisbane, and I just, just suddenly felt like heavy. And it just kind of sucked, I'm sorry to say. And I didn't know what it was, and Everything was kind of negative, like something would happen and they'd like complain and be really rude to the people bringing in the coffee because, you know, it wasn't exactly the way that they, they wanted it. And they were just really rude about it. And um, it's been a while since I've had one of these. Well, all right, can you tell? I think I'm going to get... Just stay. <laughs> so, the one people in the front row are like, any minute now, he's going down. And um, so I'm there. And they're just complaining and kind of rude and about everything. Like, it just wasn't overly pleasant. We got home and we tried to just talk. I went to the house and uh, it just got worse and worse and worse to a point where I was like, ugh, I need to get up and go. So I was like, I'm going to go have a sleep. So I went upstairs, uh, laid down on the bed, and um, they're very conscious about power and electricity. It's Brisbane, middle of summer, uh, upstairs, no aircon, 36 degrees um, in, the, in the room, and they're like, they have those big ceiling fans. I think every room in Australia has a ceiling fan, but anyway, um, has a ceiling fan. And it's allowed on one only. Occasionally, if it's like over 40, it's allowed to go on two. Um, and I got told several times. <clears throat> anyway, so I'm up there by myself, and I just sat there, and I just suddenly went, this sucks. This is crappy. I don't want to be here. And then... I'm laying on the couch, and I hear this voice inside my head. It says, you suck and you're crappy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Pick the point where things go wrong. And I go, yeah, I am. I don't know what I'm doing. This sucks. I don't even want to be here. Everybody's horrible. There's no Christians. It's the longest time in the last probably 10 years that I've spent with people who don't have a faith. Uh, six days. 
And I was like, oh, this is this will be interesting. And it was pretty interesting pretty quickly. And I'm sitting there, and I literally could just feel myself getting depressed. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. You know, man, I don't do a good job in this area. Man, I don't think I'm a very good dad. Man, I don't think I'm a very good husband. Man, I'm not a very good pastor. And I can hear this. Has anyone ever seen the movie um, uh, Inception? Raise your hands if I have to do much explanation. So it's about a movie about dreams within dreams. One of the things they teach people to do is you have like a dice or a little thing, they call it like a memento or something, in your hand. And you get to feel it and you know the weight of it. And they teach these, these people that um, that's how you know that you're in a dream. Something doesn't, you hold something and it doesn't feel right. One guy knows that he's in a dream because he feels the shared carpet in his living room and it's not the same. Then he knows he's in a dream. I had a moment like that when I heard that voice and I went, whoa, 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 hold on a second. That's not my voice. I don't think that. Where did that come from? And then the Spirit of the Lord just, just all over my body was just like, that's the end. Yeah. And I went, whoo, okay. Uh, you're a pastor, you should know what to do. <laughs> and so I, I knew what to do. And, and I got up and um, we got to open the curtains. So I opened the curtains and the sun shone in. And I basked in the sun for a second, only a second because I'm already 36 degrees. Uh, and I just let the heat up on my face and I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I went over to that fan. fan and I looked over my shoulder. <laughs> and my other shoulder and turned it to two. <laughs> then... Yeah, you wait. I went all the way to three. <laughs> then I walked away and I was like, you know what? I'm from Hamilton. I live on the edge. Turn it to four. <laughs> the whole room just changed atmosphere. I stood under the fan and I was like, oh, yes, Jesus. And um, my sister and partner are deaf to hearing impaired, so they couldn't hear me anyway. And my mum was resting with her hearing aids out. So I was like, oh, shoot. Oh. Insert speaking tongues. And I just was like, oh my gosh. And then the Holy Spirit said to me really clearly, I did not bring you into this environment to be changed by the environment. I brought you into this environment to change the environment. And I went, ooh, yeah. And I missed this little simple moment. I thought, oh, I want to share that with the church. Because if it happens to me, it's got to happen to you. Because, you know, I, and I'm just trying to be honest. There are times and places where we come under the authority or come under spiritual darkness, whatever you want to say, and we conform to it. And then I went, you know what? I love my sister and her partner and my nephew and my mum. I love them to bits and I do almost anything for them, but I am not coming under their authority. They don't know Jesus. I was like, huh. No, I'm sorry, I'm going to set the authority. I'm going to set the tone. I'm going to set the atmosphere. So I put on my headphones, blasted worship music, read through my Bible, uh, declared scriptures over myself. And I was like, no. Nah. And I sent some, scripts, uh, some uh, screenshots to Hannah with some thoughts and things. And I went downstairs, and my mum had uh, come out of her room. And she said, are you there in the sun? And I hadn't really, because I put one second in front of the, the window. And I said, no. And she said, your whole face is different. She said, your face is all shiny and like, so have you been, have you, did you put moisturizer on? Because your whole face is like just shiny. And I was like, okay, right. There's an anointing. And every time there was a conversation that went negative, I just went in with positive. Every time they were ripping people down, I was lifting people up. And it actually got easier and easier. And more like a game. I'm like, where's that rabbit? Bang, 
there it is. <laughs> I mean, we sit around like and hug. Sorry, uh, uh, the Um Every time, and I just was time and time and time again. And I just went, oh man, all I've got to do is I've got to recognise when it's happening. And we come under the authority. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about? Yeah. Cool. Okay. Ephesians 6. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, is it? But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world that would, uh, the dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. We often come under the influence of others or even spiritual influence from time to time. We put up with it. Can I borrow uh, your glasses, please, Mum? This is my mother-in-law. I think we all have glasses. We've got a trench coat with a whole bunch of glasses packed in. And often we put glasses on. Wow, look at you beautiful people. Do they, do they see me? Yes. Okay. So you put glasses on and you, you've got a lens on. And I'll tell you what. Being a pastor the last seven years, I have realized, and this is weird, I'm trippy. let's get to this point quickly. Okay, that's better. All right, I have realized that there are so many people walking around with lenses on their eyes, and they looked to the world, through the world, through a lie, through an incorrect theology. Now, the amount of people that wear rejection glasses is horrific. If Hannah says to me, um, oh, I know you're not Hannah, my brother-in-law Jerry. My brother-in-law Jerry says, oh, uh, sorry, if I, if I found out that he went fishing with Mike. That's fine, he went fishing with Mike. I get these bad boys out, my rejection glasses. He went fishing with Mike suddenly means he doesn't like you. You're not a value. In fact, they actively don't want you there. How many of us are coming under the authority of things that we've just put up with? Man, 2024, you can have those back. <laughs> 2024, I want us to be a year when we get rid of the glasses. Let's get some laser eye surgery if you can. What have you been putting up with? What reality do you live with that was never God's desire for your life? I know in the 50s and 60s, 60s and before, when they had circus elephants, they'd get a baby elephant and they put a big shackle around its ankle, and then they have a big massive chain, because even a baby elephant's pretty strong, they have a huge post sunk in the ground, and it would ram and ram and ram and try and get away, try and be with its mother. And they would try really, really hard, but eventually it would get, begin to understand how long the chain is and how far it can really go. And it would grow and grow and grow, and you would think they'd get, need to get a more powerful chain, but they don't need to. Because the baby elephant has learned its restrictions. And so they get rid of the chain. In some cases, they only have rope. A giant uh, elephant with a rope tied to it. As soon as it feels it around its leg, it goes, I can't get away. What is in your spiritual life? What have you come under? What have you, what are you as a big elephant only have a rope tied around your ankle and you think it's impossible? But actually, it's a lie of the enemy. You have incredible authority and influence. So the title, if you're writing notes, of the sermon series is called The Influencer Series. Not Instagram. But The Influencer Series. 
And this one is sons and daughters with authority. This is what this one's for. See, I believe God is asking us, are we influenced or are we influencers? Do we let the tone set us wherever we go or do we set it? Are we led or are we a leader? Are you a thermometer or a thermostat? See, a thermometer, he just takes the temperature of the room. A thermometer, all they do is go, it's 32 degrees, I'll be 32 degrees, that's what it is. How many of us, and I'm putting my hand up, walk into areas of my spiritual life, in my marriage, uh, in my parenting, in my job, do I just go, that's what it is? Or am I listening to the Lord and go, Haha, no, I'm not a thermometer, I'm a thermostat, baby. Because a thermostat's different to a thermometer. A thermostat knows what the temperature is, sets the temperature, and either has a heat source or a cooling source to get it to the temperature that you know it's meant to be at. Gosh, I want you to be thermometers. Wait, thermostats. I want you to be thermostats. You don't go home and go, what pastor do? Just a thermostat. Do you know who one of the first people to talk about this idea of a thermometer versus thermostat was? Um, let me read his quote. The early Christians rejoiced when they de were deemed worthy of the suffering uh, in what they believed. In those days, the church was not merely a thermometer that recorded the ideas and principles of popular opinion. It was a thermostat that transformed the mores of society. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. See, I think we need to walk in the authority of who we are. Uh, he appointed 12, Mark 3, uh, verse 14. Uh, that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority. Can anyone say authority? Authority, authority to drive out demons. Our jobs as believers, followers of Jesus, if you are, one, to get to know, this is also a good example as well, what a Christian is. Our job as believers is to walk out the principles of the kingdom of God, activated with the power of the Holy Spirit and walking in sonship authority or daughtership authority, walking in it. You actually have within you, under the name of Jesus Christ, the authority to act and speak in his name for his purposes. And because of the finished work of Jesus, you have the authority to use the name of Jesus to put sickness to flight. In my name, in Mark 16, it says, in my name they will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. They use the name of Jesus. You can use the name of Jesus to combat every area of spiritual control and spiritual blockage. Therefore, this is Philippians two. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor, as Jesus, and gave him the name above all other names. That is the name Jesus, where every knee should bow in heaven and on earth. You have the authority to stand against the enemy in His name. The name of the Lord is a strong fortress. The godly run to him and are safe. I'm hoping that right now you're having a wee think about what area am I not coming under God's authority, but under the authority or setting of what someone else has put. You can actually be, on a day-to-day -day basis, everyone, you can actually be a peacemaker, a tone setter, a love giver, a hope reminder. You can be a relationship healer, a conduit for God's grace. And he wants you to be a city on a hill. 
sitting on a hill, lights up for everybody else. I had this picture this morning when I woke up. Is the authority that God's given you, like real genuine authority to change environments in your workplace, your marriage, your family? Is it a badge that you can put on and then lose down the side of your car seat? <laughs> is it a badge? Or is it a tattoo? It's on your skin and a part of your skin, part of who you are. I'll be honest with you. A lot of the time for me, I think I realised it's a badge. I got to Australia and was like, it's a badge. <laughs> Where's my authority? Oh, I get, no, I can carry it. It can be a part of who I am. It doesn't mean that I go around saying, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right. No, but we can change the atmosphere like I did. I just went, oh, what the heck? What am I doing? No, I know what I'm doing. I'm going to set the tone and I was able to change it. I remember then I went to Sydney for a few days. Ooh, shout out to Sydney. Went out to Sydney and um, had massive conversations with my high school friend. Hadn't seen him in five years. He's like, we're so opposite. It's hilarious. Uh, but I tried to kind of get in his life because he hasn't really got anyone um, that I'm aware of that is a believer. And, and every little incident, every little thing, we were just banging. There was two, there was two different cultures. And I was like, man, mine is bigger than yours. So everywhere. And then eventually he was like, oh, man. You've got, like, really bossy. And I was like, have I or am I just saying what I think I should do? And he's like, yeah, you're probably right. And um, it was funny. That's probably not an appropriate story. I don't tell it anyway. Okay, here we go. You'll forgive me. Uh, we went to Bondi Beach in the middle of summer, and I used to live in Sydney. So I know that the right side of Bondi Beach is a different type of, it's probably less, um, what's the word? Shackled by the controls of clothing. Um, and he was like, let's go down the right side of the beach and walk down. And I was like, no. I was like, let's just go down the middle and we'll go swim in two places. He's like, no, let's go down the right. And I was like, no. And in the end, I was like, dude, I'm a 40-year-old man. You can't make me do anything. And he's like, that's true. Okay. And he said, yeah, I guess I don't need to. He's like, no, you don't. Just go swim. That's what we're here for. And he's like, oh, cool. Okay. And then he texts me four days later. He said, I went to Bondi again and I went straight to the flags. I was like, amen. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> you have the authority to stand against the enemy in his name. Um, so is your, is your authority a badge or a tattoo? I want it to be a tattoo. Here's another thing. Yes, your pastor has a couple of tattoos. I'm not like Mike. Look at Mike. He's covered in tattoos. <laughs> But, is it, but have you got a tattooed across your chest? You know, like, this is something I see people see on me, or is it something you can take on and off? Put your hand up. Like, who's an on and off badge wearing authority Christian? I am. Thank you. I like how many of you are. I only put my hand up if you do. <laughs> do it again. Let's be honest. Who, who, is there anyone that goes, yeah, no, I, and there will be people here, and I bless you and your encouragement to others. Is there anyone here that goes, no? If in this picture, we've got a badge or a tattoo. Anyone here goes, no, I know what my authority is and I'm walking it daily. You put your hands up. I knew you would, Michelle. Well done. Go <laughs> well, get around, Michelle. Anyway, if, if you want me to look humble, I should be agreed with everybody else, but I'm going to be honest. <laughs> there we go. Go take Michelle out for a cup of tea and you can clean from her. But understanding the authority, now that doesn't mean you're perfect. That just means knowing who you are in Christ and knowing what you can do and what Christ because it's all about Christ, what Christ can do through you. 
Um, two short stories. Um, years and years ago, 20 years ago, I worked in film and television and all of that. And I worked with this couple, Jordan and Emma. Um, and I'd worked with Jordan a couple of times uh, in church stuff. I asked him to come in and do some filming for me and other bits and pieces. But then his partner, Emma, um, she'd never come into those spaces. And we've been working together off and on for three years. And we were around a, a big screen. We're doing some editing at like four in the morning because that's apparently the only time you can edit stuff. Uh, isn't that right, Bruce? Four o'clock in the morning. So we're doing some editing. And then he, he made the comment, Jordan goes, oh, this is like that time that we did that thing at church. And then Emma says, I was young, I was probably about 22. And Emma says, um, where did you go to church, Jordan? And he said, oh, I've been a few times with Dre. And she's like, Dre, you don't go to church. And I went, yeah, yeah, no, I do, I do go to church. And she's like, ah, oh, but you're not religious at all. Now, it's important to understand that her meaning of religious is not what we think religious means. What she was saying is you don't look like a Christian to me. You don't sound like a Christian to me. I've never, anything that you've said or done or been around me has ever said that you have a faith. In that context, that is what she meant. But she didn't know what she was saying. And it hurt me like a wet fish in the face. Because yeah. I came away and I was like, I've known this girl for three years and she had no idea that I was a believer. And I went, whoa. But what do we do when we have a heart thing? We learn from it. Fast forward a few years later, a decade later, um, I worked at Vision College and I worked with um, at-risk youth who got kicked out of high school, NCA level one and two. Um, and these kids were rat bags. They were awesome. They're my type of kids, man. Love them. And um, <coughs> I, my eye exploded. That's a whole other story. Ask someone who knows me. Um, and I had to just leave my job in the middle of everything. And a few weeks later, I went to my boss with Hannah, and he was like, you know what's really interesting? He's a believer. And he said, I've had a bunch of your youth say to me, oh, we've had really good tutors after Dre, but there's something different. There's something not the same. A couple of weeks later, I saw him again, and he was telling me that one of them is called Abel, the only other Abel that I know. I only know three Abels. The other, other, other Abel I know, he said to me, um, he said to him, sorry, he said, we know that we can act like clowns outside, but when we come into Dre's classroom, we just somehow just do what he does. And so we value each other, we look after each other, and we're kind to each other, we're careful with our words, just because he is. He said, it's really weird, it's like a magic trick. Every time we come in, we just do what he does. And uh, he's like, that's the authority that you carry that you're able to solidify. So look, there's one good thing about the past here, okay? There's one good story, first and terrible. How do you change your thermostat? I, at times, have changed my thermostat. Well, this is how we do it. If you're writing things down, three words. Firstly, we need to recognize that there's a problem. That moment in Brisbane, I suddenly had a realization, oh, I've come under something I didn't even know I had. Recognize, that's the first one. The next one is we need to realign ourselves. How do you realign yourself? You spend time with God. Get into the plumb line. Listen to worship music. Remember who you are in Jesus. And then we replace. We replace the anointing. We replace the atmosphere. Because if you take something down, you better replace it with something. And so as I left that house, I laid my hands on it. I was like, this is a house of love, joy, of positiveness. This is a house where I declare that one day there will be people walking in faith here. 
This is a house, and I've been cleaning it after them. My little nephew, I kept taking him for walks. <laughs> they were walks, but they were also uh, prayer sessions whilst I was walking. I was like, ooh, she had Laying hands on him as I went around the block to clear it over him. They're like, oh, you love walking with him. Yeah, 36 degree heat. I've come back all sweaty and puffed and prayed up. Recognize, realign, and uh, replace. Recognize what's your default setting. Me and some of you have a default setting that you're too negative. You have a default setting that you see everything through that lens of rejection. Some of you have a default setting where you just get too offended too quickly. Realign to the plumb line, to the truth. And we do that, we realign with God. And the goal here isn't getting through the Bible. Right? The goal is not to get through the Bible. The goal is to get the Bible through you. So you just open the curtains and God's light is shining out. Recognize, realign, and replace. We're almost done. It can be difficult, eh? It can be really hard. It can be difficult going through life. Some of you have real tough workplaces right now. Some of you have real tough family situations. I understand. One of the things I've noticed as a pastor, though, is this. Sometimes we get confused between hard and wrong. What I mean is sometimes we go, well, if it's hard, it can't be a God. I better get out of this. There's some knowing smiles. You know, like, even even Jonah, right, eventually went to Nineveh. Was he happy about it? Even at the end, after everything, no, he was sitting under a tree, a little tree, grumbling. Because it was still difficult, it was still hard for him to get his head around it. It can be difficult. But we do need to understand that sometimes God's called you to something. God's called you to a place, and it's difficult, don't give up. God's called you out of the boat and you give up. What do you think happens? <laughs> Jesus has to come get you. <laughs> That's Peter. So we need to understand the difference. Like if you know you're called and it's hard, I encourage you to stay steadfast. However, what you do have to realize is, am I called to the environment that I'm in? Am I called to it? Do I know that that's where God wants me? I'll tell you what, the easiest job I've ever had is pastoring. It's truth. I'll also tell you what, the hardest job I've ever had is pastoring. But I love it because I know this is the calling that God has in my life. I know it. So the heart doesn't kind of matter. It's like, you know, when you, anyone here milk dairy cows, like in a milking shed and you, yeah. <laughs> you know what, and you might have a really good day, but the whole area is covered in old grass. <laughs> and you just wash it off. It doesn't damage or destroy anything. You just wash it off at the end of the day, even though it was hard and gross and a bit crappy. Bad <laughs> joke. Okay. First one of the year. How'd that feel? There's more coming. <laughs> but we are a living sacrifice. It's easy to sacrifice when you know what you're called to. So my, my encouragement is don't give up in the environment that you're in, your marriage, your relationships, if you're called to it. Sometimes, though, you do need to remove yourself from an atmosphere. So I'll leave that up to you and the Holy Spirit. 
So how do we shift atmosphere? When we rip something down, we've got to replace it. And I think just really easy, off the top of your head, faith, hope, and love. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is? Love. Faith, hope, and love. So that's all I did. I was like, all right, faith. I will be faithful when I'm talking to my sister and her family. Hope. I will, there's a hope. And with my friend in Sydney, there's no hope in life. And I was just pushing and, it's, and, and opening the door for hope everywhere I could, in every conversation. The other thing is, you know, you know how I talked about being a, a city on a hill. Can I just do one caveat? You know, like if you've been in the darkness your whole life, there is a difference between having a lovely, warm, manuka-scented candle that you light and you pour it into the room and they can sense it and see it and walk into it. There's a difference between that and someone in the darkness and you've got a floodlight I wish I knew lots about electricity. And you flick that switch and it just, right? You notice that sometimes you can be right the wrong way? Now, here's the thing. Sometimes in those situations, sometimes there are situations where you need to flick the floodlight on. There is situations. Often it's with believers who should know better. You flick the lights on. It's like, no, you don't get a candle, you get a floodlight, sucker. (laughs) You should know better. So 2024, a year of influence is my encouragement. This sermon is called The Influential Son or Daughter in Authority. The next one is going to be influential in the big areas of life. Parenting, personal faith, marriage, family, workplace and community. How are we influential in those areas? And then the last one is influential church. What's an influential church look like? I'm going to um, leave it there. I wanted to pray for people. I wanted to do a whole lot of cool things. Um, But I just really found in my heart for this, just a taster. All I want you to do is know that God loves you. You are his son and daughter. And you actually carry authority to change environments and situations. There are marriages here that you can go, I'm not going to put up with that. I'm not going to do it. And if I can just be honest, there have been times in the last couple of weeks where I've gone, oh, my attitude's kind of sucked. And I've apologized. But I'm actually going to come and bring the opposite spirit. I'm going to come and I'm going to be actually all the things that I'm kind of frustrated with in my spouse that I'm actually just projecting onto her in my own issues and I'll come and do the opposite. All right, so what I want to do is I want you guys to feel and be reminded of what God says you are. So can I have my um, elders and a few other people that I've asked, can you guys stand up? What I'd like to do for you is I just want them to quickly declare and pray over every single person.